0: Good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday and Happy New Year. My name is Pete. I'm one of the pastors here. Today I get to kick off our year with a message from the book of Ephesians. This passage is part of our Bible reading plan, which you can get in your program or online or on the wall outside the sanctuary doors. And our Bible reading plan gives you readings every day, and then these readings point together toward our Sunday messages each week. Today's passage is an extended blessing. It starts and it ends as a blessing from us to God, and then it overflows all the way through the middle with the blessings of God toward us. And I'm going to start today by reading the passage all the way through as a whole, and uh, it's fairly long. The reason I'm going to read it all at once is because in the Greek, this whole thing is one sentence. Now, we do not normally have three-paragraph-long sentences in English, and so translators, out of the goodness of their heart, have broken it down so that we can understand it and relate to it. But part of what gets lost in the translation process is this sense of unity and flow in the whole thing. And so I thought it would be good if one time we could read through the whole thing together. The passage is going to start with the Father. It's going to focus primarily on Jesus, and it's going to end beautifully on the Holy Spirit. Jesus comes up 11 times in these 11 verses, which are all about God's plan since the creation of the world to bring everything under the servant authority of Jesus Christ. And so I want to encourage you, do whatever helps you listen. It would help me if I was fidgeting or doodling. And you can also read along the screen behind me if that's helpful. We're going to read Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Pleasure. And so we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. He is so rich in kindness and in grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. He has showered His kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised, And that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. And so that's the whole blessing. This is a blessing of God and all these blessings of God toward us. And I'm going to spend the rest of the message breaking this down so we can see everything that's going on in here. And so let's start with the opener, the starting verse. Verse 3, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. And so this passage starts off with a big idea. We praise God because God has already blessed us. Daniel Fuller whose father founded the most prestigious evangelical seminary in America, Fuller Seminary. Daniel Fuller wrote a pretty lengthy book on this topic, and he argues the central message of the entire Bible is that God's plan is to love and bless people so much that people would be drawn to love and bless God in return. That's his belief on the message of the whole of Scripture. And I love this idea It really fits with what I understand of God's work in my life and in the lives of so many other people that I've seen. While I was a drug addict and dealer going through a divorce and pretty much alone because of some really terrible life choices, that's when God decided to save me. And since saving me, God has given me a thousand chances to share my story of God's blessing. But just in case you're visiting today and you haven't heard it before, here it is. I was in my early 20s after a few years of drug addiction and God came into my room right when I had decided to finally kill myself and what God did is hold me overnight and when I woke up in the morning, I never wanted drugs again. God told me to read the Bible and I did that a few times and eventually God said, go to church and I told God, you're crazy, churches are terrible. And God won. I listened and I went to the Flagstaff Vineyard Church. And it turned out so good that I get to stand here today. And I've given my life to serving God as a minister. And so just in the opening verses here, we have one of God's great plans summarized in a few short words. We have a saying in the vineyard, it's called the main and the plain. It's like, how do we relate to a really complicated Bible when people like to argue about the details so much? The way you do that is you stick to what's really important. When the Bible says, and here is God's plan... What follows is probably pretty important. Here's God's plan. It is to bless you so much that you bless God back. We bless God because he blessed us first. Just like the Bible says we love God because he first loved us. And there's a very important pronoun here that matters for the rest of the passage. The pronoun is us. This passage is about the people of God together God's plan is not just to save a bunch of individuals on their own and then we remain kind of separate and do our own thing. God's plan is actually to make us a people together. God's blessings are for all of us. And one of the great blessings of God is being brought into God's family. Like every family, this one has its ups and its downs and its crazy uncles who are a little embarrassing. Uh, But this family has something that no other family has. We have God as our father, we have Jesus as our brother, and we have the Holy Spirit to come to us and help us with the hard parts of being family, like forgiveness and reconciliation. If you have struggled to find a family or if you have been rejected by yours, there is great hope to be found for you in the community of God's people. We're not going to always get it right because we're people too, we're always going to try to include everyone God brings, because in this family, it's God who decides who gets to come. The next section talks about how long God's been planning to bless the world through Jesus. Verse 4, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. And so we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. This passage kicks off a topic I spent a lot of hours thinking about when I was in my 20s and 30s. Does God know the future? Has God already decided if I'm going to heaven or hell? Is there any point in my life choices, or is everything just destiny? I'm totally not going to answer those questions here, but I am going to share with you what I think is going on in this specific passage. I think the pronoun us is real important here. Our society is so fractured and divided and polarized, we're not naturally inclined to consider ourselves a people, right? We're more likely to consider ourselves individuals, first and foremost, and often only. Well, that is not the way things worked in the Greek and Hebrew world of the first century. I don't believe this passage is saying God chose each individual person before the world was made. I'm gonna make a dude named Sean. And we're going to bring him in, right? I do believe that what God's saying here is he had a plan all along. It is to create humanity and then send Jesus to humanity and through Christ to choose and save a whole people and adopt them into God's family. Adoption was a part of the Roman Empire. It meant you gained all the privileges and citizenship and inheritance of your parents. (coughs) excuse me, this is what gives God great pleasure, is to adopt you and I together as a people into the family of God through Jesus. It's to give you everything that God's established for us since the creation of the world. Now, I know a little bit about adoption. Adopting my daughters took four years, and it was a horrible journey to the finish line. The first girl we were matched with died of a brain fever And then the next girl got pulled from the orphanage because the father who abandoned her in the first place heard a rumor that Americans were adopting African kids to harvest their organs when they got old. And then our agency went bankrupt after we gave them $26,000. And then they said, hey, we have twins in another country if you want to give us another $26,000. And then I got to go to Africa alone to pick up these girls. And what was supposed to be a 24-hour stop turned into the most difficult nine days of my life by a long shot. Again and again, we got turned away at the airport, and it seemed like I would never make it home with my daughters. But God came through, and we made it, and nothing has been the same ever since. And let me tell you, I can laugh about the cost of my adoption because all that cost is nothing compared to the joy of being Anya and Aaliyah's dad. With all their silliness and seriousness and sass, with all their challenges and strengths, they bring me a million times more than anything we could ever have spent, and I could not be prouder to be their dad. That's how God feels about you. God would do all that and more and has just to make you a part of God's family. God had to come down here and go through the brokenness of the world in order to lift us out of it. And what does the Bible say? That it is God's great pleasure that He could pay this price for us. The Bible says Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before Him. And that joy includes all of us being adapted into God's family. Jesus was an only child. But now because of the work of Jesus, he has brothers and sisters across the world and across time and throughout history. God went through everything the world could throw at Jesus just to make you and I the family and the people of God. You are loved by God who has already sent Christ for you and who continues to love you today. If you will open your heart to Jesus today, for the first time or for the thousandth time, God will come to you. Your way of life doesn't have to be alone. When you come to Christ, you start to live in this world as a child of God and as a part of God's family. Paul continues in verse 9, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he's going to bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we're united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. And so this is it. If you ever wondered, what is God's plan? What is God trying to do around here? God, what's your whole point? It is everything brought together under the authority of Christ. Jesus is the suffering servant who said, while being nailed to the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. God's plan is to bring you and me under the authority of the one who said, I am here not to be served but to serve everyone you've ever known or loved under the authority of the one who said to a thief crucified next to him on the cross, you will be with me this day in paradise. Everyone and everything, all of creation, brought under Jesus. That's a beautiful picture and it gives me tremendous hope. For much of my life, the brokenness of our world caused me to view God as punitive or judgmental but the Christian Bible and the Christian story tell us that Jesus reveals the full, perfect character of God. And that not only tells us how good God is, that gives us comfort, because our judge at the end of time is Jesus himself. We're used to judgment being a negative word because there's a lot of unjust judgment in this world. But this passage gives me hope that the final judgment will be more in line with the Hebrew understanding of judgment. In Hebrew, judgment means setting things right. If there's anyone in the history of the world that I trust to set things right, it is Jesus Christ. Jesus gave up everything so that you and I could have everything And we have an inheritance that's meant to give us a secure foundation in God's goodness. The next verses let us know what that inheritance is, verses 12 through 14. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own By giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify Him. So, first off, God's plan has always been to come to us through the Old Testament people of God, that would be the Jews. Jesus was a Jew, and the apostles were Jews, and it's through the Jews that we have a chance to trust in Jesus at all. If you look at the history of Christianity, there's just a ton of embarrassing, horrible anti-Semitism that has happened. I'm in seminary reading about the anti-Semitism of Christianity. makes me want to cry, right? It's also super stupid. Since we follow a Jewish guy who wrote a book through a bunch of Jewish guys that is the entire foundation of our faith. And so I think the appropriate response to us toward the Old Testament people of God, the Jews, is thank you. We really appreciate what you have done. Thank you for being the place where God could speak to us and be revealed to us through Jesus Christ. And so now we, who are not Jewish, although some of us in here may be, but most of us probably are not, we have a chance to trust in Jesus. And what a chance that is. God saves us. That's the good news. Not we got to go to work for God, not God needs us, but instead God saves us. And when we trust in that good news, when we believe that Jesus Christ is enough, we receive the Holy Spirit. In many translations in this passage, they call the Holy Spirit a foretaste of the things to come. That means, like, what's coming when heaven comes to earth, when Jesus returns? We get to know what that's like by what we experience of the Holy Spirit today. And so just think about those times in your life where the love and the power and the presence of God have been powerfully with you. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to live. That's what heaven come to earth is going to be like for us. The best moments of our religious life on earth are going to be everyday occurrences when Jesus comes back. The Holy Spirit today is our guarantee. The Holy Spirit is given by God as a blessing to help us make it through a broken world with security in the love of God. And God did this so that we would praise and glorify Him. This gigantic sentence, this one sentence that makes up this whole passage, starts with us blessing God and then flows over with God blessing us. And then we bless God because God blessed us. And then God blesses us some more, and so we can bless God. It's a reciprocal relationship. This is called a virtuous cycle. Has anyone here ever tried the unvirtuous cycle? Something bad happens, and so I do something stupid. And when I do something stupid, I get consequences, and they make me mad. And so I get dumber right? Has anyone ever participated in an unvirtuous cycle? I know that I have, right? I mean, you can just see so many comedy acts, hit yourself with a hammer, oh, dang it, pa, oh, you know, just falling all over yourself looking like an idiot, right? God's plan is not that you would be stuck in an unvirtuous cycle living like an idiot. God's plan is to do so much good for you that good comes up out of you back toward God, And then to bless you again so that you will bless God again. And to bless you again so that you can bless God again. Even in the middle of the broken stuff that happens in 2021 and we'll see about 2022, right? You may be experiencing the cycle of blessing today or it may feel real far away from you. We're going to close the service at this time if the worship folks want to come forward. I want to invite you to stand as you are able I'm going to share three. Wow, I'm going to share three tips with you: something to read, something to pray, and something to do that uh, will help you connect with the Word of God as we're receiving it today. Tip number one is to read Ephesians one, or go ahead and read all five chapters for Bonus Jesus points. Tip number two is to pray, and as you pray, bless God. If you're not real sure how to bless God, you can just say, "God, I bless you. God, you are good." God, I praise you. If you're having trouble getting the words to come, pull out YouTube, put on a worship song. Worship songs give us words to praise and to bless God. And you can sing along with those in the privacy of your home. Tip number three is to reflect on Ephesians 1. The Bible is, I don't believe, intended to be like uh, about information. Like we're not supposed to read it and learn what it says. It's meant to be a place to meet God, And one of the ways we use the Bible to meet God is to read it and then consider deeply what jumps out at me out of this passage? What do I feel led to pray out of what I'm reading? And it's those things where God meets you in Scripture, where the Word of God becomes living and breathing and active in our everyday lives. If we have folks on the prayer team, could you come forward and stand up on this side or this side, please? I see one person. Do we have anyone who'd be willing to come up and stand over here who can pray for folks? Looks like we do. Thank you. (coughs) Um, I really want to pray for us that we would get stuck in a virtuous cycle today, that God could help us be set free out of unvirtuous cycles and help us find a new way to live. And so I'm just going to lead us in prayer. Um, God, we're so grateful that you have blessed us so much that you've given us Christ that you've really moved to set us free before we did anything at all. I ask, God, that you would help us to respond to your love by blessing you in return. Father, we bless you. We say that you are God. You are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are holy and good and kind and loving. And you're present here, Lord. And all together with our spirit, we bless you I ask, God, that you would help us to set aside the unvirtuous cycles that the world is trying to trap us in. I ask that you would break off of us those chains of slavery that the world wants to lock us into. And I ask that you would set us free to live lives of worship where we are dedicated to you in every way, all the time. Friends, God loves you and God blesses you. God, we love you and we bless you back. Be with us as we worship you, God. Amen. Uh, at the end of the service, the worship team will let us know when it's time to go. We're going to transition into worship and prayer right now because those are the most important things that we can do as we gather God bless you, friends. Happy New Year. Let's worship God.